0: Well, good morning. morning. My name is Craig. I am one of the pastors around these parts, and I'm really excited this morning to be joined by this panel. More on them in just a moment. But over the past several weeks, we as a church family have been going through this series on emotions, feelings, It stirred up a lot of feelings. I've had fantastic conversations with many of you between services and throughout the week. And throughout this series, we've been saying, resources are coming, resources are coming. Well, that's this Sunday. This Sunday, we can call it Resource Sunday. We want to empower, we want to empower conversations about, specifically today, difficult emotions. So today, we're talking about difficult emotions. We're going to spend a few more weeks. We're going to have one one week where I'll do some teaching on joy, one on anger, and then are you ready for this one? This will be the last one. We're going to close out with a bang. The last one will be emotions in worship. Woo! You ready? Are you ready? Oh my gosh, it's going to be awesome. So join us for that. But today we're talking about difficult emotions. And I don't make the rules. I do not make the rules. Sooner or later, we are all going to find ourselves overwhelmed and navigating difficult emotions. Anger. Grief. Fear. I don't make the rules. There are seasons in our life we lose a loved one. Grief creates a fog, and it's very difficult to navigate the fog of grief. Grief has an agenda all its own. How do we navigate that? Anger. Oh, anger is a difficult emotion when you're trying to show up at work and do your job with justice be a a, a great employee and the person who cheats and cuts corners keeps getting promoted and it stirs up anger how as a follower of jesus do you navigate anger fear i'm deeply persuaded that one of the things it means to be a christian is that we don't do anything out of fear and life is scary I don't know what your news app is, but my news app just reports lots of scary things all the time. Life is here. How do we navigate difficult emotions? The, the men and women on the, on the stage behind me are going to help us do just that this morning. You're going to hear a testimony. You're going to hear a story about how God met someone as they were navigating difficult emotions. You're going to hear from someone else about how uh, connection is what empowers forward movement when life feels unbearable, and what Compass Church is doing to foster connection for those moments when life just, when we, we're hearing the message, we're telling ourselves we're stuck. You're going to hear about that, and then you're going to hear what the rest of us do. There's moments where we, like if you think of life as a marathon, there's moments where we get off the track and we need to Ah, heal a muscle, we need, we need those Gatorade gummies. There's, there's moments where we just need to get off the track, and there's other moments where we're just still running, and we just need encouragement. We're going to be here at how we can help each other, encourage each other uh, through this marathon. So let me introduce this panel this morning to my immediate left. This is Julie Casey. Uh, some of you who've read the book of Acts... Uh, know the story of Apollos. Apollos was this young, hotshot preacher who he thought he was doing a great job, and then Priscilla kind of pulls him aside in the temple parking lot and is like, hey, look, in many seasons throughout my time here at Compass, Julie has been Priscilla to me. She's just been a voice of wisdom, for several decades, she has led connection and recovery ministries in the local church. And here in our local church, she oversees our Connect team. So she is helping to equip connection group leaders as uh, we seek to just foster connection. She's helping equip the leaders as they seek to do that well. You're going to hear from Julie this morning her story, a testimony of how God met her and how connection changed her experience of difficult emotions. You're going to hear her story in just a second. I'm also joined by Linda Bradley. Linda is a real-life missionary. Linda is a missionary from Kentucky to the dark, dark place of Missouri. That's her own self-understanding. But God has given Linda a heart for people who suffer alone. What I've learned throughout this series, through conversations I've had with many of you, is that many of us are suffering. Too many of us are suffering alone. So Miss Linda has been really involved with grief share at Compass Church. We said grief has an agenda all its own. Miss Linda actually gave me that phrase that grief creates fog. And so her gifting and calling from the Lord is walking with us as we navigate that fog. So she's going to be talking about ways that we can get plugged in with grief share and visitation. It's so easy to forget those among us who either may not be able to get out, who may be suffering from chronic pain. It's, life goes on, it's so easy to forget. Miss Linda has a calling from the Lord to make sure no one is forgotten. I'm also joined up on stage by Troy. Troy is a pastor here at Compass, and the gift that Troy is to this community is that so many of us have gotten to experience a pastor's heart through Troy. Troy and I have been in many numerous emotionally charged difficult situations with folks, and I have seen people react in ways that I'm like, what am I gonna say, that was crazy, And he just responds with care. He moves toward people. uh, And it's a real gift to our community. He also is getting a master's degree in counseling. And so what we're going to hear from Troy today is about how we can all participate in care for each other. We have a ministry here at Compass called Compass Care. And Troy is going to be introducing that ministry to us and talking about next steps, about how we all can carry each other's burdens. My task this morning, before I hand it off to the panel, though, is to just open God's Word and talk about what God thinks about difficult emotions. How we've we've been saying this. This is our phrase this morning that we're going to keep coming back to. Connection empowers forward movement when life feels unbearable. Connection, relationships, being known. Those are not the messages that we tell ourselves when we encounter difficult emotions. And and probably the main culprit, the prime suspect, giving us the message that, no, no, you don't need connection when you're encountering difficult emotions. You need to go off on your own and figure it out. Your, Your emotions are too much for other people. Oh, they can't handle that. No, 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 don't share that. Keep that to yourselves. The main culprit telling us this lie is this gentleman. Does anybody know who this is? Mr. Spock, yes. This man is a figment from a previous generation's imagination. Mr. Spock had no emotions, famously. He was ruled by logic, logic yes, from the, the hit series, Star Trek. So if there's, a, if there's a situation we had to ask Spock what to do because we were gonna be clouded by emotion and he has no emotion, so he knows what to do. That's baloney. Yeah. Totally baloney. If Mr. Spock was a real person, uh, they would diagnose him uh, with many diseases and disorders, <laughs> and truly he would not be able to get out of bed in the morning. He would not be able to get out of bed. See, we, we all wrongly believe this lie. Oh, I have difficult emotions. What's the way to navigate through this? I gotta get rid of the difficult emotions. I can think my way through this. That's not actually Scripture's perspective on difficult emotions. The Bible makes it clear again and again that it's not getting rid of emotions that empowers forward movement. It's not not getting rid of emotions that helps us navigate grief. or It's not getting rid of emotions that help us navigate our anger. You You wanna navigate fear? Stop being afraid. Nailed it. No, 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 it's connection, being seen, being known, connection empowers, fuels forward movement when life feels unbearable. Uh, Perhaps the, the clearest place we can see this in Scripture is from a story that's incredibly emotionally charged. It's an emotionally charged story about wisdom, And and we think, okay, how does this help us navigate? The story of Solomon. Solomon famously is minding his own business one night. He's just become king, and the Lord appears to him. He says, what do you want? You're king? That's exciting. What can I give you as a sort of coronation present? And Solomon asks for wisdom. Here's why. Here's what Solomon understands. And this is my own translation. This is from 1 Kings Chapter 3, verse 6. So the Lord, the Lord is has appeared to him, and Solomon said, You have made great attachment with your servant David, my father. You connected to David. You the the Hebrew word there is Hesed. Your Hesed was great. Your attachment. You were for David. You made a strong relationship with, with my father. Just as hear the relationship, hear the connection? Just as he walked before your face. That's intimacy. That's knowing someone. There's a connection there. In faithfulness and in righteousness and in integrity of heart. He wasn't faking it with God. He didn't just keep part of his life from God. He said, this is all who I am. There was a deep relationship, a deep connection. And, and you cultivated this great attachment toward him and gave him a son sitting on the throne today. And So Solomon goes on in First Kings chapter 3 to say, because of that strong relationship, would you give me Wisdom. So I can navigate ruling well. Right. Okay. And then what happens? An emotionally charged situation. The very next day is what the textmate implies. Solomon's new to the throne. No one really knows how he's gonna lead yet. And in those days, there wasn't really an appeal system if the king wasn't doing a great job. He would be like, Well, your majesty, I love how I do it like that. His way or the highway. And two prostitutes come before the king. And what had happened was they're both claiming that this one child is theirs. Now, the math does not add up. It can't be both of yours. Whose is it? And one prostitute tells a story. I was sleeping in the night, and the prostitute, we were in the same brothel, and she fell asleep on her child, and she woke up, and she switched kids. And I woke up thinking I had crushed my child, but I looked on closer inspection when it got light, and this isn't my child. And so, King, we need you to rule wisely to help sort this out. Whose child is this? Now, this is very different than 21st century America. There is no social safety net for these women. They are on their own. All right? These kids are not going to get mentored. They're not going to have great coaches. We're going to help them you know, make the varsity team. They're not going to get a full ride to USC. These are people that society has forgotten. And so Solomon wisely pretends he's like that. I was Oh, yeah, just cut the baby in half. What's he essentially saying? I don't care. I've got big things to do. Let's get out of here. Let's get on with this. And that was the expectation. Okay, one one is fine. That works. And the other has a strong emotional reaction. No! What are you doing? Whoa! You see, they understood you kidding? That's not how babies work. They need two halves make a whole. Like, what are you doing? And she's like, I don't want anything, anything bad to happen to my kid. If anything bad's going to happen, just let, let her raise him. And you see, Solomon saw a difficult emotional situation, and he didn't spark his way through it. He leaned into emotions. He leaned into the emotional situation. And what's the reaction that the people watching said? 1 Kings 3.28, when all Israel heard the verdict the king had given, because he said, oh, look, she's clearly the mom. She can have the baby. Emotional situation, when all Israel heard that, they held the king in awe because they saw that he had given wisdom from God to administer justice. They saw the nearness of God. Solomon asks for wisdom because of connection. He encounters a difficult situation. That connection doesn't go away. It carries him through that difficult emotional situation. We encounter difficult emotional situation, and our connection is what we're going to lean into to map our way through this, to understand that. So we're going to hear a story. We're gonna hear about those who are grieving among us, and we're gonna hear resources that we can all get plugged into. So would you please give a warm Compass welcome to Julie Casey as she shares her story of how she navigated through difficult emotions.
1: Thank you, Craig. I have to get settled here. Um, As uh, as Craig was talking, I just wanna say um, that, the passion that I have for what we've talked about and what Luke and Craig have taught us so beautifully in this series um, comes from my own uh, story that I'm going to share a part of with you this morning of my own emotional immaturity and how it was a huge barrier um, in my life um, in my sp- in my spiritual formation and that forward movement that Craig was talking about. And so as a follower of Jesus, um, I now know that, um, to be spiritually mature, I need to also grow in my emotional maturity. But this story that I'm going to tell you, I, you'll hear that I was learning that and, and the pain that that caused me when I didn't know it. So, um, I carried a lot of unprocessed pain for, um, many, many years in my life and, um, I thought that there must be something terribly wrong with me, and so this morning my prayer has been, um, as you listen um, to me share my story, that you also have a story, and um, just just know that sometimes this happens for me when somebody shares. It brings up things in me um, that kind of might feel hard. Um, and so, just just notice that this morning, as I'm sharing, um, you may also um, be reminded of some of your own pain. And so, my hope is that we get to do this together, which is so beautiful. That um, we're having this series is that we want to walk together um, in our pain. We don't want to. We won't, don't want to do that alone. So. If you'll just take a moment to um, let me look at you. <laughs> it's hard to see you in the dark, but if I can just take a minute to breathe and just see your eyes and know that you're with me this morning because um, when I tell the story, it's never easy to tell. Um, it's still, I still feel those twinges of pain. But uh, anyway, I know you're, you're with me in this, and we'll do this together, okay? Um, I brought this bucket this morning... To illustrate um, my life story from birth to about 25 years old, um, I was a firstborn, and what they say about firstborns is their parents owe them an apology <laughs> because they're firstborn, and we kind of get, we get some things that maybe the other kids don't, but um, I was the firstborn of Richard and Pat Tull, and they went to be uh, with Jesus a couple years ago, um, and my dad was in the Air Force when I, they got pregnant with me, and he was stationed at Tyndall Air Force Base in Panama City, Florida. And so I love the sun. It's in me. <laughs> and I love the sand um, because that's where I was born, and um, it just brings, reminds me of where my life started. My parents married, my mother was 16, and my dad was 21. They were very young, and they both experienced a tremendous amount of trauma and pain in their own childhood, and they brought that pain into our family. I, looking back as an adult, I didn't know this as a child, but I knew, I know that they loved me, but they didn't know how to meet my needs because of their pain. But that carried, that carried on to me, and it actually created pain in me as a child. I want to say one of the things that I am most grateful for is my parents both trusted Christ um, at a Baptist church, kind of hellfire and brimstone Baptist church in Sherman, Texas. I was about two years old. My mother always told a beautiful story of throwing me down in the pew and going forward and asking Jesus to, um, yeah, be her savior and so I love that, that that was something that um, changed their life. But what my parents didn't know was what we're talking about today. And they stayed stuck in their emotional pain and, um, until the day they died. They didn't know that emotional maturity was part of being a disciple of Jesus. So... Um, my parents stayed married for 65 years. <laughs> um, and, but it's interesting that my childhood memories really just include my mother and my brother because my dad being in the Air Force was gone several times uh, for a year at a time. When I was four to five, he was in Iceland and then um, 10 and 11, 12, Vietnam. And, so, um, and then often gone for three months at a time. Uh, when he was home, he was emotionally distant. And um, disconnected from our family. Both of my parents, and I'm really glad we're going to talk about this in a week or two. I don't remember when Craig said. But both of my parents, their pain came out in anger. Um, Uncontained anger and often rage. And so my home was not a happy home. It was not a joy-filled home. And so... um, My parents' predominant emotion was anger. When I look back on my childhood, many of the pictures that I see, my predominant emotion was fear. That's why I have this fear on my bucket here. Because I would be hiding behind my mother's skirt. I just learned, I don't really even know what age to hide and to um, not be me. (laughs) I didn't know who me was. Um, So I have these holes in my bucket. Um, I've poked in there that represent the emotional pain that I experienced as a child and much of it was fear and shame what I began believing and these are these are hard to say um, but this is what fear told me these were the messages that I believed and I still will tell you today they they come up but um, I believed that I am unlovable gotta put my glasses on that no one could understand what I was experiencing. I believed that I was alone in my pain. I believed I wasn't safe and that no one would ever be safe, that I couldn't trust anyone. I believed and vacillated between I'm too much to I'm not enough. I believed that there was something terribly wrong with me and bad about who I was and am. I believed that I needed to hide the real me. And this one was deeply ingrained in me. This, this one is the miracle that I'm standing here today. This one. Um, I believe that I am not capable and that I don't have what it takes to deal with my pain and that God's grace can't reach me. As I got older, my parents would often say to me, your feelings are overwhelming to me. Uh, we don't know what to do. I remember them taking me to my pastor and sitting me down and saying, help her, because we can't. <laughs> and um, there was just this way that they dealt with me, which was, let let me, let us control you because we don't know what to do with you. Um, and so I am saying this for my sake this morning, um, but I also want you to hear it, that all children, all children, all of us, were born with feelings and without the ability to process those emotions. It's why we come into the world screaming and crying and wanting food. (laughs) And so we learn, ideally we learn from those people who love us that were looking for us when we were born and we learned from them that we're safe and that those emotions are normal but someone's with us in those emotions. We're not alone. And so that's, that's how we, that's kind of what Craig says. I didn't make up the rules. <laughs> that's kind of how it is. So I used to feel shame that I had these big emotions but or that I had emotions but no, we all feel. It's just some of us learn to feel them a little I wouldn't even say easy but um, or we don't feel them at all and we stuff them in so um, so yes uh, Marcus Warner says in building emotional resilience no child is born with the ability to bounce back or process painful emotions the pathways in our brain are formed and grown through practice in relationship in connection with adults who are able to contain and regulate their own emotions. I'd like to share one story that kind of, I think, kind of describes my childhood pretty much. (laughs) Um, It's that little girl right there. And when she was 10, when I was 10, which is that picture, I was in um, the fourth grade, I came home from school. My dad was stationed at Oxnard Air Force Base in Camarilla, California, which is beautiful, Southern California. And I came in, I don't know where my dad was at the time or where my brother was, but my mother was sitting on the couch. I can see that flowered couch, and she was upset. And I knew, because I had already had my radar very in tune to what people around me were feeling. Not what I was feeling, but what everybody else felt. And I knew she was not happy. And she said to me, your dad got orders to go to Vietnam. And I don't really remember if I even said anything, but my 10-year-old self began to feel terrified. I felt insecure and fear. And I knew I had friends whose dad went to Vietnam and they didn't come back. And so I also remember thinking, what am I supposed to feel? about him leaving? I don't know. I don't really know him. Am I gonna cry when he leaves? Can I cry when he leaves? Cause we didn't, mom cried, I didn't. So could I cry? Um, should I hug him? So all these things were going through my little 10 year old mind and my heart. And what I did with that was I went to my room in base housing. And I can see that room in my mind's eye. It's pretty simple. My bed, I had a little desk, I had a toy box. And I wasn't the neatest. At 10, you know, I kind of had a messy room. But I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to move this little table over here. And I'm going to put these books up here just so. And I'm going to organize my toys. And I'm going to make this space a place that I can control. So I don't have to feel as insecure as I feel. And for me, that really became a pattern, the first time I remember, of um, if I can control my environment, my home, my children not getting too out of control or too loud, my house not getting too messy, (laughs) too much of anything, then I can feel, I can feel secure and not as anxious. I also had a lot of other coping mechanisms, flesh patterns that were not healthy in ways that I learned to cope with my emotions. These duct tape pieces on these holes are ways that I um, tried to cover up that pain through um, pretending to be okay when I was not okay. So I looked on the outside like I was okay, but the inside I was hurting and really struggling. I performed for acceptance. I was a pleaser. If I thought you liked me, then I was okay. Um, I ate food (laughs) to distract myself from feeling these feelings. At age 15, my dad retired. And um, so I spent 15 years in the Air Force. I tell people that they don't think I should get a discount at Lowe's because of that, by the way. (laughs) They think I'm just some crazy woman saying, well, I was in the Air Force for 15 years, but they don't, that doesn't fly. But at age 15, my dad um, retired and we moved south of St. Louis and started attending a church there. And that church, um, I felt very accepted and loved there, but there was this, lack of understanding about emotional health and the ways that that got dealt with was by spiritual bypassing, just spiritualizing, this is, oh, but Jesus this or this verse. And so we just didn't share emotions. And so I fit in really well in that youth group because there was a checklist of, you know, things to do, come to youth group, go to visitation, you know. And I just, I was a good girl all the while I mean, they thought I was, but I knew I was not because there was this huge disconnect from what I was doing outside with my actual, what was happening on my inside. Um, Fast forward to age 25. I married um, a guy in my youth group who attends here. He didn't make it this morning. He's He's speaking for um, Michael Kaufman, and so he was going to try to get here to hear this, but he's, I don't see him. So anyway, we, he was 14, I was 15 when we first met, and uh, we had married when I was 25, and we moved to Dallas, and about six weeks into our new marriage, second day of my um, job, downtown Dallas, I got up in the morning, and, and the way that I describe it is um, 25 years of these patches, on this bucket that were connected to emotional pain and trauma um, came off and the bottom fell out of my bucket. And this is hard to talk about because um, it was very painful. I didn't think I would live. (laughs) The emotional pain um, was so intense that I um, would say to Rod many, many nights, for a lot of years, tell me what's true. Just tell me what's true. I don't know. I don't have, I don't have a place in here, a solid place that can, can contain all of this pain that I'm feeling. I didn't know, I didn't know I didn't have a place. And the gift was a husband for the first time in my 25 years that I felt safe with to actually crash. <laughs> And he sat with me for many, many nights for a lot of years. And back in 84, we didn't know those were called panic attacks and anxiety disorder and the things that we label that now. But that all was happening in me. And um, I remember he would sit with me and just say, I'm, you're not alone. I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to sit right here with you. And um, I love you. And I... Um, Felt very loved by that. Just him being with me, not trying to fix me, but just being with me in my pain. Um, at 25, I could no longer avoid my emotional pain, and looking back, it was a gift. It was a gift, as we like to say around our house. It was a a beautiful gift in a very ugly package. <laughs> Um, because the invitation that we sang about this morning was that Jesus said, he, he doesn't want us to live in fear. He wants us to live from a place of love. And so I have this heart that I keep on my desk that reminds me at four, four years old, in that same church, that my parents came to faith. I asked Jesus into my heart. <laughs> And I have a new, new heart. I have a new identity. I am God's child, and I can take that pain to Him. And He, He doesn't try to fix me either. He just sits with me, in that pain, and He loves me, and He wants me to know how deeply, deeply, deeply that I am loved. And so um, I didn't know that my young heart, all of those years, longed for safety, love, and connection. Through trusted relationships. That's, that is what we need. We all need that. We need that connection and that trust. And we need to be able to sit with one another in our pain. So I want to give you, leave you with just two, if this stirs up in you, um, some of your own um, past emotional pain that may not be processed. I'd like to give you two practical next steps that, are, that were really, really helpful for me and I continue to do this and have for um, a lot of years. Um, one is I keep this feelings chart. I think we're gonna have one um, maybe on social media but I really like this one because in a few weeks Craig's gonna talk about anger and it talks about the face of anger really is a secondary emotion. There's lots of other ones underneath that and there's quite a lot of feelings on the back And I ask myself daily, what are you feeling today? Are you feeling sad? What are you feeling sad about? What are you feeling angry about? What are you feeling happy about? So I kind of go through a little feelings check, just check in. And I have um, just a reminder that I am um, an affirmation on this feelings chart, that I am growing increasingly into the person God designed me to be. And I get to bring those feelings to him. So feelings chart, huge stays in my Bible. And then the other thing that I would invite you to do, if you haven't done this, is to reflect on your own story, particularly from birth to age 18. And ask the Lord, help me, what, how do you want me to think about that? How do? You, what do you want me to know? What stories do you want me to remember of um, key stories in your life of events, people, and positive, negative and then ask him what he wants you to know about those stories. And I would say then take the next step to share one of those stories with a trusted friend or your spouse or your connection group. And um, really began to um, participate in your story because I have found in my lots of years of sitting with other people's stories, last night during the night I was reflecting on all the faces over the years that have sat with me in my pain, and I have sat with them in their pain. Um, and they, they were gifts to me. And um, they helped me feel less alone in my own pain. And then thirdly, um, there's a resource. Um, it's just a little small book called Reframing Your Hurts. I have found um, mentors through reading have been incredibly helpful and it says, why you don't have to fear emotional pain. So, Miss um, Linda is going to come talk to us now about um, her passion as it relates to grief share. Oh, you
2: want my bucket? I really like the bucket. Because we all are a container. And within us, there are many emotions. And every now and then, some of them squeak out and they start causing some problems and difficulties. And if we deal with them and accept them and get help for them, it makes things start running smoother with time. But if we stuff them inside, things can become very difficult. I really like this series, and I've been a Christian since I was 8 years old. I'm 74 now, and I don't think I've ever... Heard ministers preach on emotion like this, and I'm so glad. I want to share with you that I'm very concerned that in our world we have a problem. And I was watching the news on Tuesday night, and it was confirmed when the Surgeon General of the United States said, We are having a loneliness epidemic. And this epidemic is very prevalent in teens and young adults and people over 60. And because of this loneliness epidemic, we're starting to have a lot more illness, serious critical illness, mental health issues, and suicide. The Surgeon General then said something very interesting, and I want you to listen to this, because see if you've heard this said in, the sur- in services. He said, first of all, you have to be able to admit what you're feeling, what is going on. The second thing you have to do is seek help by establishing some one-on-one relationships, our small group connections, where you can share and get some support and encouragement. And here at Compass, we encourage connection groups because that's one of the things that group can provide. But another thing we are encouraging is if you have needs that might be a little more serious than some of the ones you share in connection or you need to go further with that uh, concern is to go to a special group that that, uh, centers on the thought. I coordinate Grief Share. Grief Share is a beautiful program and it is based on and rooted in the Bible. One thing I love about Grief Share is what it did for me. Uh, I was married to a wonderful man for 48 years. I nursed him as he died for six years. And at 48 years when he died, I thought to myself, I've been through all the grieving I can do. There can't be any more tears. Little did I know there was a lot more tears and a lot more pain. But I got into a Grief Share group at a church here in Columbia and it really helped. Then when my mother was sick and started dying in Kentucky, I went to be with her and I was in a grief share group there. I came back here and went to another one. In fact, I went through the grief share program myself five times before I started uh, conducting grief share here at our church. I really appreciate that our elders and pastors understand the need for this. I currently lead a group share and uh, I'm very happy that uh, I have Debbie Jones who's sitting right back there lead it with me and um, it, it's a real blessing. Another blessing for both of us is we're Stephen Ministers and we went through the Stephen Minister training and that really helped us understand A lot of people about people and the things they go through, and how to uh, reach out in a ministry. We will start. um, I would like to encourage you, if you're interested in Grief Share, to let me know. Also, uh, we have these little uh, QRs, little codes here, and you can go online through them and find where you can. Uh, Say you're interested in grief share, you can call the church office or you can see me. I would like to encourage you to think about if you need grief share or if you feel you know someone who needs grief share. One other thing I want to share with you is this Grief share uh, is written about dealing with death, loss. What we found out is it's not just about loss. We grieve many things in our life. And because we grieve many things in our life, uh, we go through different experiences of grief. Grief can be a broken relationship, it can be a broken marriage, it can be um, losing a home or losing a job. It can be so many things. So we have actually started having people say Groove Share even helps with these other things that we deal with. We will meet uh, May 21st if anyone would be interested. We meet two to four on Sunday afternoon in the conference room in the office downstairs. The second group that I want to tell you about started because I was very concerned we had a lot of people who were at home. They were homebound or unable to get out for various reasons. Some were in their own homes, some in an independent living home, some in a hospital, some in a nursing home. Just very different things uh, that they were experiencing. So I knew that we had several people, in fact people sitting in this room who are fantastic about visiting and caring for others. And I'm really appreciative of what the Goot ones do and what Marshall Field does. And there's probably others of you that I'm not aware of that do visiting. But when I worked in the church office as a substitute until we got our new assistant, Hannah, I counted we had 21 people in our church that for some reason were unable to be here on Sundays. And I started getting concerned and calling them and trying to see how much they were getting connected with us. So we are taking this a step forward and calling it a Compass Visitors or Visitation under Grief Share and encouraging people to come alongside and be willing to go visit someone. Let them know you care or call them on the phone but to visit and care about others. If you're interested in being a Compass Visitor, please let me know, Pastor Troy, let the church office know, or again, you can use this, and I'm sure Craig will talk, or Troy will talk more about it. The last thing I want to say to you is, uh, a few years ago, I was introduced to Stephen Ministers, and I'm a Stephen Minister. It takes a lot of training to be trained in Stephen Ministry, uh, and Troy will tell you more about that. But that ministry has really helped me in leading, Grace share, and in calling. It's given me a lot of of uh, skills that I didn't have uh, prior to it. So at this time, Pastor Troy will come and tell you about Stephen Ministry and a few other things.
3: Thanks, Linda. Um, I have been at this church for quite a few years, for those of you who've been around here for a while. Um, I think it's like 25 at this point. Um, and I know that we have a history of being a caring community, and I've experienced a wonderful care in my time here as well. But the, what we want to do as we move forward is put a little bit more of a framework on how we care for people um, within this community and really outside of the walls as well. Um, in our current grief share, we have several folks who don't go to this church. Um, and so we're just so glad that they're with us. Um, and Stephen Ministry, that I'll be talking about um, in a minute, is also designed for people who may not have a church bra- background, um, but we are trained to be able to reach to the, reach out to them um, with Christian care. Let me talk a little bit about um, Compass Care Ministry. Um, and Craig, if you can put the next slide up. Um, we're kind of, I've kind of imagined uh, it being broken up into three different areas. So we have um, kind of our lay one-to-one care, which is Stephen Ministry, um, and Visitation, which Linda talked about. We have our groups, um, which right now is Grief Share. And so that's kind of where we find um, help and and hope in a group setting. And then the other one is counseling. It's either pastoral or professional. As pastors, we're here to be a resource to you. Um, But as well, we want to be sure to get anybody connected who needs counseling um, to to a qualified um, counselor here in the community. And we're happy um, to help you make those connections as well. Let me talk specifically about Stephen Ministry. Um, Stephen Ministry is a high-quality, one-to-one, Christ-centered care for people who are struggling with life difficulties. Um, Our folks, um, they are lay, but they are very, very well-trained volunteers. Um, They've gone through 20 weeks of training, and each week they show up for two and a half hours um, with uh, quite a bit of work in between. Um, I know that sounds like a lot, uh, but I uh, think any of the dozen people we've trained so far would tell you um, that it was worth every minute of it. Um, so these folks are here and ready to, to care for people who are struggling. Um, so if you have uh, any need for that kind of, um, of help, um, we have a QR code that's in these seats. Um, you, you can probably see them around you right now. If you scan that, um, there's a, a way for you to, to get connected to Stephen Ministry or Grief Share. If you need a visit or if you need prayer, um, if you scan that code, you can, you can let us know and then we can get you connected. Um, obviously, in order to care well for people, uh, we need people who are willing to move forward to, um, move toward people who are struggling. Um, You know, God calls us in Galatians 6.2 to carry each other's burdens as to fulfill the law of Christ. And what he's saying here is that um, in order to fulfill the law of loving our neighbor as ourself, uh, we have to move towards people and we have to help them uh, when they're in need. And so we need you all, um, just as you are all needy and have uh, your own struggles and pains, we also have to be willing to move forward, uh, toward people when they're struggling as well. And so we'd love to invite you all to be a part of th- these ministries, um, get trained in Stephen ministry. Um, would be a great way to do it, or in grief share. Uh, but also, um, we have a, a prayer ministry uh, that is uh, getting expanded, that's happening during um, our um, services here on Sunday mornings. And that's another way for you to, to pray for and move toward uh, people who are struggling. And so these are all ways for you to, to do that um, in your own context. And as we know, there's people around us every day who are struggling, and so I would ask you to think about taking a risk, even though it's hard and even though it may be scary for some of you to move toward people who are suffering. Um, I would ask you to do that um, and, and take that step and, uh, and, be, and be Christ to them um, in that situation. Uh, so I just wanna uh, uh, put out that invitation to you all to be involved in Care Ministries. And, and just one uh, last push, uh, today if you're struggling, and you really do feel like you need some sort of help and you're not sure where to go, um, a great first step would be to stop by our prayer room after the service. There are going to be people there who would love to pray with you um, and connect with you um, and, and share in your burdens. Uh, so uh, please do that after the service today.
0: Yesterday, the Kidders celebrated Jet's seventh birthday, and I was reflecting on that. I remember when he was first born, I was pastoring at a church, uh, not this church, it was a different church, and while I was pastoring, we got put on a meal train, and we have friends, dear friends, who don't, don't love Jesus, and they're very skeptical about this whole church thing, and they kept being like, wait a minute, what's, why is everyone dropping me off food? This is so weird. Like, what did you do, are you in a cult? Like, no, 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 like, this because you're a pastor there? I don't think so, I think this is just what everybody does for everybody else. And they just didn't have a category for that. They're like, that is so odd. We live in a very isolated world. And connection communicates more than you know. We really do believe that connection is what empowers forward movement. It, it, it reminds us that we're not stuck when we encounter these difficult emotions. So you heard a testimony of someone who encountered difficult emotions and how connection, both through her husband and connection in the church, helped her navigate through that. You heard about opportunities that we can get plugged in with grief share. We all grieve. We're all going to need this ministry at certain times. Again, we don't make the rules. Sooner or later, the wheels fall off. It, and that's, it's part of being human. We want to navigate that fog together and then Compass care ministry where we can all get involved. Even today, just going and praying. And it, maybe you're like, oh, I don't need prayer, but I'd love to pray over people. Head back there and you can meet Todd and Zoe. Todd and Zoe, would you just wave for the folks at home? That's Todd and Zoe right there. You can see them waving. They're that beautiful couple right over there waving. They would love to get you plugged in to know how you can pray because we really do believe in connection around here. And emotional intelligence, understanding our feelings, communicates connection. Uh, when Israel was on the, the edge of the promised land, they're heading into the promised land. Moses says to them, hey, I've given you a lot of, lot of rules and statutes. but Pay attention that you do them. And, and here's why he says it. it sounds kind of unusual at first. He says, observe these statutes that I've given you carefully. For they will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations. Emotional intelligence, that's part of that wisdom, they'll show your understanding to the nations, who will hear about all those decrees and say, "Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people." You might say, they have some emotional intelligence. What does that look like, though? What other nation is so great as to have their gods near to them, the way the Lord our God is near to us whenever we pray to Him? You're not alone. You're not alone. We have been connected to this triune God who is near to us whenever we pray to him. You have this family here. You're not alone. We're not stuck. We can navigate difficult emotions because of connection that God has made available to us. And we can grow in our connection both with God and with each other. So if you need prayer, please, after the service, just head out to that prayer room. There are men and women who would love to pray over you, whatever you're navigating. But we're not alone. And we can do this thing called connection together. God in heaven, we trust the scripture we just read, that you are near whenever we call on you. We call on you now, Lord, for help navigating forward. God, we don't want to spiritualize away real problems. We know that there are men and women suffering in this room. God, I pray that they'd not suffer alone, that they'd hear the invitation this morning and find ways that their local church can foster connection so we can move forward together. ask all these things in Jesus' name.
1: This podcast is part of the ministry of Compass Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, please check out compasscfc.com.